Kyle, thanks so much for joining us on Speaking of Making Healthcare Work for You, Different Perspectives and Empowering Solutions. I'm Stephanie Fields, joined by my co-host, Dr. Apoorv Gupta. And today we welcome Alex Frohmeyer, who goes by Fro. He is the co-founder and CEO of Beam Dental. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me on. Good to see you. I am so excited to have this conversation because we haven't talked to anybody on the show yet about dental healthcare, and it is part of healthcare. Why do you think that it's segmented when it is so tied to your overall health? This started probably for a bunch of bad reasons a hundred years ago, and they started splitting medical school away from dental school. And, you know, there's today so much uh, trajectory around different specialties and how medicines practice and certainly dentistry is a big uh, piece of this. But, you know, I think digital health just in the past decade has provided really the first meaningful opportunity for the whole body, whether it's your, you know, teeth or vision or mental health, et cetera. We can actually start to tie all these pieces together in a meaningful way for the first time. And uh, it gets me really excited about the future of digital health because no matter where the care is being delivered or how it's being delivered, uh, having you know one human being with a true understanding of their total body's health and how it evolves over time uh, is really a new opportunity for uh, the global population. So it's really exciting. It is. Before we started recording, you were telling us about everything from um, digital, I can't remember, you used a different word, digital dental medicine, how, to, how you said that. But that was interesting because I've never thought about that. Because when I think about going to the dentist, I think about brushing, you know, them brushing my teeth and flossing. So how does that work? How are you bringing this into the future of digital health? Yeah, I think, you know, my view has been that Beam has this unique opportunity um, and uh, to affect dental insurance as a change engine or a catalyst for dentistry in a broader sense. Dentistry is very, it's a very fragmented and fractured industry today. Most dentists own one practice and it's their own small business. So they operate it differently than another dentist up the street. And because of that, being able to actually affect change, especially on behalf of the patient, requires the ability to have uh, a view on any topic in innovation or the future of uh, the tech stack as a dentist would think about it inside how they practice uh, their medicine and then how all the pieces fit together. To get meaningful change done at a structural level, you have to be able to command and um, influence behavior change, uh, which is purchasing decisions, to how uh, care is delivered, how dentistry is practiced, all the way down. And we think that insurance is this perfect mechanism by which to do it. So my co-founders and I, when we first started into Beam, we didn't start as an insurance company, actually. We arrived at it after doing a first principles uh, build of what could actually change dentistry 10 or 20 or 30 years into the future. That is so fascinating, Alex. Uh, it's a really intriguing story that you're laying out. Uh, and I guess uh, I do. I spent my whole career in thinking about why healthcare needs to change, but I haven't spent any time thinking about why dentistry needs to change. So maybe we can start there. Why does it need to change at all? You know, what are the problems in the industry? I always say that you know, first of all, if healthcare is ten years behind uh, other parts of the economy, then dentistry is ten years behind healthcare. 
Um, so a large portion of the opportunity is just to get dentistry caught up with some of the topics that are already playing out favorably inside digital health and just healthcare in general. And then hopefully uh, together, they can both modernize to the tune of what we've seen in social media or in uh, e-commerce or in, you know, any other topic in technology. And so, you know, to me, I think the problems in dentistry have to do certainly with that fragmentation. Um, if you uh, just as a patient go get the exact same procedure done from three different dentists, you know, in your uh, you know, near location, you're going to receive wildly different uh, opinions, prices, and uh, quality of care. And that's also true in, in many parts of, of healthcare as well. So it's not a unique problem per se, but dentistry certainly has it. And it's very difficult for the public to understand, uh, you know, when the dentist throws an x-ray up on the screen in front of you and is like, look at this, you know, small shading here. That's a cavity that's forming. Like people do not have the expertise to be able to make their own high efficacy decisions around what type of care they want and when, how to actually manage that over a long period of time. And we think there's an opportunity, not just from an advocacy perspective, but also from an alignment of, of incentives to reform the industry to better allow the providers and the payers to work together, not against each other, and then create patient outcomes in a much more direct way than is possible in healthcare. Because frankly, there are fewer variables. It's you know so many different factors, genetic and behavioral, playing into whether or not you're going to become a diabetic or, or, or any other chronic condition. The complexities in healthcare are, are incredible. And we appreciate everybody working on, on those very tough problems. Dentistry has few enough variables that you can actually see your way through to the future where dentistry looks totally different and dental health as a population, um, from a population health perspective, can look totally different in the future as well. So on the, on the topic you just mentioned, uh, payers and, and providers working together, it's so interesting because in our field, uh, hot off the presses, our companies just come out with something that uh, talking about pay viders. Uh, that's the term we use about uh, to talk about payers and providers collaborating. And we've come up with a, a report about where within the, within the country are we seeing opportunities for this. Uh, what is that really looking like in, in dentistry? And where, where, what are the opportunities that you're finding for them to collaborate? Yeah, you know, uh, dentistry is a fee-for-service model. And so there's this uh, very uncharitable phrase used in, uh, in dentistry, which is called drill, fill, and bill. And there's a certain number of dentists, and, and this is like a reputational thing uh, for many dentists, where the, the business model, because this is the incentive, is to drill as many teeth as possible. And in some practices, there's a quota. In, in terms of like, here's the number of fillings I wanna do uh, that my boss wants me to do in a month. And so are you really doing the right thing on behalf of the patient or are you trying to fill a quota? And drill, fill, and then bill really speaks to how that incentive is aligned today. And what we, and then, and then of course, you know, the uncharitable way to think about the payer side of this is that we, of course, want to pay as few claims as possible. So we're looking for ways to deny claims and, um, you know, drag out the process and force dentists to appeal. So there's bad incentives on both sides of the equation. I think everybody agrees, at least in principle, 
uh, amongst leadership in, in the industry that the best outcome is the patient outcome. So what leads to great dental health over a long period of time for um, the American population? And how do we incentivize ourselves as payers and the providers to just deliver great health? And so many of these models have been tried in healthcare around accountable care organizations, um, creating you know, closed panels, uh, you know, modernizing HMOs. There's all different you know, ways to experiment with different models. Beam sees a huge opportunity to leverage software to better ob- uh, create an objective way to uh, understand quality of care instead of just if the care happens. So today, Beam's job as a when we're processing a claim is, what did this filling happen to this patient on that tooth or not? And then if it did happen, we pay a fee for that service. What we don't contemplate, because classically you can't know this answer, is was it a good filling or not? Is it going to stand the test of time? Did they use best-in-class materials? Did they use best-in-class um, uh, tools to create a great, a great outcome for the patient? And was it necessary dentistry in the first place? Using technology for the first time, we can start to create an objective reality around if that care needed to happen and how high quality was the care delivered. And if we can do that, at least on certain key procedures, Beam can start to bend the curve in favor of the patient's outcome instead of the reimbursement for an activity which incentivizes mediocre um, quality and a focus on the speed of and the amount of procedures that can be done in a day. How are you trying to get everybody on board to do this? Because I would imagine since it is, you know, might not be regulated as heavily as other industries, but it's still people are certainly set in their ways. And so how are you trying to change the minds of other insurers? Because I'm sure if a dentist is working with Beam and a dentist is working with, you know, another dental provider or a dental insurer, they're probably a very different experience between the two. And those other insurers are probably not happy with this upsetting the status quo or the dentist, you know, challenging, oh my gosh, the drill, fill and bill, which is horrifying. I've never heard that. How do you try to start to change the minds of those people to realize that the patient experience and the patient outcome is actually what matters and you can be profitable, but also be focused on what that true outcome should be? The expectations in dentistry are really low. Uh, you know, dentists, um, you know, they, they expect to be paid really slow and to get all this hassle um, just to get every single claim filled and, you know, uh, excuse the bad pun, but they feel like it's pulling teeth to get money out of the insurance company and vice versa. And so when you think about just how bureaucratic things have gotten, it also shows the opportunity. The average dental practice has, even the small ones, have a full-time person whose job it is to call insurance companies during the day and sit on hold until they pick up to fight about some claim and try to maximize the amount of you know appeals that they can do to get as many of those claims accepted as possible. And they hate this and they should. I mean, you know, if it's a small, small business, instead of paying staff to expand the practice, you know, the number of patients we can see and care for, they're instead spending money on chasing insurance companies around. And guess what? The person on the other side of that phone call is what the insurance companies are doing the exact same thing. They're staffing these huge call centers that 
spend all day uh, talking to dentists and fighting about whether this root canal should have happened or not. And so we're clearly missing something in between that transaction, which is an omniscient, objective, third-party view on what does good look like and are we achieving that together or not? And if, you know, in my view on this has always been, you know, we are here to make sure people are, are healthy from a dental perspective. That's our business. And so if somebody needs a root canal, great. Like they will find value then in the fact that their insurance product helped cover some of the financial component of that uh, procedure. And I should be more than happy to demonstrate value by paying that claim. The only thing we don't want to do is pay a claim when that root canal didn't need to happen or when it or when the dentist did a terrible job, because guess what that means there's going to be a new root canal to make up for the last bad one. So now I'm paying twice for the same thing. And so there, we're clearly just missing something in that like objective third party view. And that's really that opens up the opportunity to create new uh, 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 reimbursement models where I'll pay more in reimbursement to get more like a higher quality, you know, a filling that'll last 10 years should be worth more than a filling that'll last two. The problem is you have to be able to tell the difference between a filling that's going to last two and a filling that's going to last 10. And so that's, that's where, uh, you know, the software that Beam's building, uh, partnering with and instituting as a, a, a subject matter expertise inside the walls of the business can take dentistry from this, this, uh, fight, this bickering back and forth and turn it into an alignment of long-term patient outcomes. And we think that's really exciting because I don't think anyone else is going to get there uh, quickly that has the power of the purse that Beam does as a, as a carrier today. Are you a service, Alex, to then the uh, insurance company or to the provider? I guess I'm still not sure how that business model is working. And obviously to the patient, you're probably providing value to all, but who's ultimately paying for the service? Well, we, we are the carrier. Um, so we're taking uh, 100% of the risk on our patients. We're pricing the risk and underwriting it with our own proprietary actuarial models that leverage machine learning to help us tell the difference between low risk folks, medium risk and high risk. Um, and uh, we're paying the claims and doing all the third party administration of the policies that, that we write. So we're very much sitting in, in the driver's seat from you know, bringing in the premium dollar and then doling it out uh, in, in particular to the reimbursement of care that's delivered. We have multiple stakeholders in that equation because we actually distribute to small and medium-sized businesses. And we're doing this in 41 or 42 states around the US. And so, you know, we're partnering with employers who are buying dental insurance as an employee benefit. The person scheduling and going to a dental appointment is then that employee or dependent. And then we're working hand in hand with the dentist as well uh, in the context of the claim that's being filed and reimbursed. So we're, we're kind of sitting at the center of that equation trying to figure out how we can continue to build elegant technology solutions for that maximize that user experience and the patient outcome at the same time. And then you were saying that you're super focused on preventive care and rewarding people to do that. So why is preventive care so important and how do you encourage it? If you think about it, uh, I think brushing your teeth is probably the most common health action on planet earth. 
you could argue like, I guess, eating and sleeping would count here as well. But, you know, from, a, from the perspective of using a tool to improve your health every day, brushing your teeth has got to be up there or the most common thing that you're interacting with from a health perspective. And we think this is a phenomenal opportunity to engage the patient at a much more intimate uh, level than any other insurance product that, that exists in the industry. And so what we did uh, years ago is we crafted the industry's first and only dental wellness program. So very similar to health insurance companies that often have device programs like wearables to help capture some health information like movement and exercise, and then incorporate that into wellness programs that help uh, translate those activities into value. Beam's doing the exact same thing. You can also think of it as a dental version of telematics in auto insurance, where if you prove you're a safe driver, you get credit for that in the form of a lower price on the policy. And so what we do at Beam is our dental wellness program is comprised of a connected electric toothbrush. That's kind of the star of the show. It's called the Beam Brush. And then we have toothpaste and floss and replacement heads for the brush and other uh, oral care products that, that we administer as part of the program. We send it to anybody who wants it uh, on a voluntary basis. It's interwoven into the insurance experience. And so just by brushing your teeth with the Beam Brush every day, that data is informing uh, a kind of digital reward system because we want to give you credit for taking care of your teeth every day. And as the insurance company, we feel like we're the right entity to uh, reward you and uh, pay you uh, for exercising habits that will lead to uh, a stronger outcome for you and in effect us as the insurer uh, over a long period of time. And so if we can invest, you know, we'll drop a little money into your digital piggy bank every day for just having the consistency of good dental care habits, that might save uh, a filling from needing to happen four years from now. And Beam wants to make that investment in our members, both for their benefit, just raw from, you know, kind of raw health outcome perspective, but also as uh, an opportunity for us to create real brand differentiation because amongst any other insurer, we are making the most clear, direct, and expensive investment in the preventative care of our members. And that's something we're really proud of as a business. Alex, I find what you're saying mind-blowing, honestly mind-blowing. I was like, you're, you're opening my eyes to so many different things. Uh, and yet, at the same time as I'm hearing you, I'm so excited about what you're saying. And I'm thinking, wait a second, do I really want my insurance company to know that I didn't brush my teeth, you know, twice a day, uh, and now they're somehow going to, you know, to be on my back, uh, or I'll get penalized for it? And so, does that? What is the real risk for data privacy and security? And does this potentially amazing, amazing idea wind up, you know, then becoming something more sinister? Yeah, it's a great question. And that that is a top of mind concern for many of the uh, businesses that. Uh, by Beam Dental and uh, any number of our members as well. So the first thing is it's a voluntary program. If you don't want the brush or you're already happy with the toothbrush that you're using every day, no, no problem. You don't have to participate in the program to get the insurance. You get the insurance regardless. And so that, you know, it's a, uh, the participation is very much an opt-in from, from that perspective. But you bring up a key point, which is that this could turn into uh, a stick. We only think of it as a carrot. And what that means is that 
we think of the wellness program as totally separate from the insurance uh, pricing model in that you can get lower prices via strong engagement, consistency of behavior, et cetera, but we'll never raise prices because that behavior doesn't exist. We're confident as a business in our ability to underwrite risk in a very uh, direct and um, well-managed way. And so we think of the risk equation as uh, understood by our business and and by our actuarial team and our pricing team, et cetera. And then we think of the wellness program in a slightly different bucket, which is that if we can deliver value to the member, they're gonna increase retention, uh, their brand uh, value, our, our brand value and their love or affinity of our brand. And they're going to engage with us, which opens up new growth opportunities, not a way to punish people for not taking great care of their teeth or going to bed that one day when they were really tired instead of brushing. Uh, all of that is, uh, all those ripples are smoothed out by being focusing on delivering value and a carrot opportunity whenever we can and come in and play uh, hero. Uh, we don't think of it as an opportunity to jack up rage just because we didn't see exceptional prevent, uh, preventative behaviors. Very elegant. Very. Thank you so much. And my final question, what are you hoping that dental health care and dental insurance looks like five years down the road? Because it seems like you guys are fast tracking this change and it seems like it's going to be a very different landscape whenever you further your plans. So what can we look forward to? One tactical thing that uh, I would I would love to create is, uh, you know, a network of dentists that is so uh, dentists that are so excited about what Beam's bringing to the table that we have a waiting list. Uh, that would be the opposite of how most networks work, where uh, dentists are always trying to get out of the networks because uh, they're not getting reimbursements that are aligned with their expectations for the work that they're doing. And again, that that tension really is is very present in our industry as we sit here today. Uh, so to me, the opposite of that would be a dentist that uh, or a network that dentists are competing to get into. And we think that's very possible um, over the next few years. And as I look out five years into the future, you know, I, I really see this idea that uh, the care delivery at the provider level and the insurance product and brand are working so well together and are so integrated together that the patient, who we should all be here in service of ultimately, is, uh, feels like it's a, seam- a one experience. And so it doesn't matter if the dentist is in uh, Raleigh or in Kansas City or in San Francisco, it doesn't matter if it's a dentist with 10 years of experience or 35 years of experience, it doesn't matter if, you know, Beam's, uh, if, if you bought this type of product from Beam or that type of product from Beam, it all just feels like one experience, the financial service component, the care delivery component in that at-home wellness preventative component should all just feel like, yeah, everybody's working for my teeth to be as great as they can be. And that would feel like success for probably everybody involved, I'd say. That's awesome. Thank you so much. I enjoyed this conversation. We appreciate you being here. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Thank you all for watching. Bye-bye. Thank you.